0: Steps into it, passes, caught, takes, sideline, touchdown, unbelievable! Welcome back to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am back here with my guy, Drew Mahold, and today we are taking a look at your Minnesota Vikings week three matchup against the Tennessee Titans, which is being played at home field at U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, your Vikings obviously are coming off of a couple of uh, couple clunkers, to say the least, and uh, the Tennessee Titans, on the other hand, are 2-0, oh, uh, not playing necessarily their best football, but... Um, certainly playing better football than the Vikings, at least coming into week three. So, uh, this is a tough matchup for sure. Uh, Drew and I will do our best here to break down the individual matchups and, uh, take a look at what Tennessee does well and how the Vikings can, you know, at least, um, try to make this a a more competitive matchup than I think a lot of us are tending to believe this one may end up right now based off of the previous two weeks. So, uh, let's just jump right into it here. Uh, we generally start with the quarterback, so let's do that. Um. Ryan Tannehill is still the guy in Tennessee, signs the big offseason deal. uh, And he is now the signal caller for um, for the Titans. And so Tannehill has kind of an interesting career arc, right? You know, being a former first round pick. And then before that, a former wide receiver Uh, didn't do too hot in Miami, kind of has found a bit of a a niche in uh, in Tennessee, obviously taking that job from Marcus Mariota and sort of running with it. Over the last year and a half or so, uh, so what are your thoughts on Ryan Tannehill? What are you know? What are the things that concern you as it pertains to the Vikings defense? I mean, obviously the Vikings coverage hasn't been awesome, but Tannehill isn't necessarily known for being a guy who just throws it all over the field all day long.
1: Well, I think where he has thrived, especially in Tennessee, has been play action. Uh, play action, taking the shots down the field, hitting. His deep weapons, particularly A.J. Brown last year. I believe A.J. Brown was the only receiver in the league with a higher yards per target than Stephon Diggs. And so um, clearly that guy, now I don't know if he's going to be healthy. I think he missed actually week two uh, in their win against Jacksonville. Uh, So I'm not sure if he'll be healthy this week or not. That'll be a big question mark going into Sunday. I think that his status is up in the air. But um, if he is playing, that connection is one to watch. And A.J. Brown clearly... Uh, Has some talent, has some game, and uh, that play-action connection down the field was efficient last year. And and of course, it all starts with Derrick Henry and his ability to pound the rock, right? And so, uh, you know, we're start. You kind of have to start there in a way. But also, Tannehill is—he's found himself a home where he isn't. I guess in Miami, a lot of times he was sort of there was a ton on his shoulders, right? Um, he was, you know, in their wins went to for Miami to win. He was sort of forced to have a, an elite dominant game. And now, you know, I, I, I'm still on board with the, you know, for the most part, right. Running backs don't matter, but, uh, that argument, so to speak, but in Tennessee, you saw a little bit in the playoffs, man. I mean, Derek Henry carried that team offensively and Tannehill had like 70 yards when they beat the Patriots passing in the playoff game. And then the next week only had. Barely 100, I believe, against the Ravens. And they won that game, too, pretty easily. So, uh, you know, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's not going to force balls um, into questionable spots. Uh, and he makes good decisions. And then when he can unleash it down the field, uh, especially out of play action, he's accurate. So, uh, you know, of course, getting to the quarterback, getting pressure on the quarterback is always important. Uh, I think with Hill, it's a little bit more important. Because if he has time to sit back in that play action uh, situation and throw it deep, he'll be accurate.
0: Okay, so here's my question for you to follow up on that. Um, So Tannehill is obviously a productive quarterback, right? Um, I don't think anyone, to my knowledge at least, is calling him an elite quarterback or a game-changing quarterback or, you know, a face-of-the-franchise type player. Is it fair to call him a system quarterback because it's pretty hard to mention Ryan Tannehill without Derrick Henry?
1: Yeah, I I just don't like that term. I mean, I I I don't think think anyone
0: likes it, but...
1: I I think every quarterback is a system quarterback to a degree. So, uh, but I think in terms of like, he's, he's not the guy that's going to carry a team by on his shoulders to the playoffs. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that with Kirk as well. Uh, So no kidding. (laughs) So uh, I think they're pretty similar. I think, you know, they play the same style. They both thrive in the right environment uh, with the right situation around them. And then when things aren't going so great around them, they'll have those, few great games and put up some good statistical numbers, but uh, they maybe won't result in wins. So that's, I, I don't, I do see a lot of similarities between the two. I think Tannehill, um, you know, last year with Tennessee and that defense really found its stride down the stretch. And then of course, being able to hand the ball off to Derrick Henry 30 times for 200 yards uh, in those playoff games last year really helped as well. So uh, he wasn't asked to do a ton. He's been asked to do a little bit more in the past couple of weeks, but the Titans have scrapped out a couple of wins.
0: So, when you asked that question about, you know, when I asked that question about Tannehill, you know, in reference to him being a system quarterback, right. Um, immediately your response was, you know, that's a negative, has a negative connotation, at least, you know, within the circles that I run, when you hear the term system quarterback, it's never a good thing, right? It's supposed to be in theory, it's supposed to be a knock on the quarterback's ability to carry a football team. Now, that being said, I I think it's unfair for me to uh, not note that Tannehill's actually off to a really good offensive start this year, right? Uh, Just gauging his numbers, you know, 488 passing yards. I mean, it's not incredible, but Combined with six touchdowns, he's only been sacked twice behind a very solid offensive line, and his QBR is sitting at 85.5 right now. Now we saw what Kirk Cousins' QBR was the last couple weeks. Uh, that's substantially better than what the what Vikings fans have experienced. So uh, this quarterback is nothing to sneeze at. I'm not saying he's the most talented guy in the world, but he is a, a quarterback that can do a lot of different things well. I don't think he does anything perfectly. You know, like he's not a surgical quarterback that's going to walk, run up and down the field, hitting every receiver in sight with tremendous precision. That's not the kind of guy he is. And he's not a, you know, a deep ball thrower. Like he's not Josh Allen where he's launching it 70 yards in the air, dropping it right in the bucket. He's not that kind of guy. He's just an efficiency. He's just an efficient quarterback that knows where to go with the football. And he uses his assets around him as well as anyone in the league. I mean, AJ Brown is an extremely talented player, right? And Corey and Corey Davis, we haven't mentioned yet, but I'm sure we'll come up more, Uh, a former first round pick and extremely talented player as well. But, you know, Davis and Brown, aren't Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. They aren't Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. I mean, these are two younger players. Davis two, two years ago, probably was called a bust. And to date, I mean, he still hasn't really lived up to that first round pedigree or really that top what five pedigree. I think he was number five pick a couple of years ago. Uh, so Tannehill is maximizing the talent around him. Uh, giving them the best opportunity to succeed. he's And, you know, part of that, of course, is on the coaching staff, too. I think that Mike Frabel and Arthur Smith run a tight ship over there. But Tannehill is the guy that executes this system very effectively, and he's dangerous in that capacity because they're able to control the tempo of the game. I mean, one of the primary reasons why your Vikings have been losing is because they can't stay on the field on offense. I mean, Tennessee, on the flip side of that, they are efficient. They get first downs with regularity. Their drives are long. I mean, it's a tough team to play against because as soon as they get in front of you, and I do mean as soon as they get in front, it could be three points, seven points, 10 points, 14, whatever. They're going to run the ball down your throat with Derrick Henry. So right. let's focus on Derrick Henry now, because, you know, as, as solid of a player as Tannehill is, I do think that the face of the franchise here is Derrick Henry. And it's one of the very few teams, as you said, that truly focuses on a running back and makes it work. So, what is it about? I mean, obviously, Derrick Henry's a mammoth, right? Like that's important. You know, you've got a huge, huge dude that can run to four, five, forty, and can break away from people. But what is it about his game that makes him, you know, I don't want to say unique because his size is obviously what makes him unique. But what makes him better than everyone basically not named Christian McCaffrey at this point?
1: Yeah. So, th- the Titans are kind of like a rich man's version of the 2012 Minnesota Vikings. Um, and I like, I, yeah, it's, it's just because they, you know, offensively they're relying on the run game so much, you know, they're, they are force feeding their running back, right? Henry had 31 carries week one, 25 carries last week. Uh, it's not like he's turning out humongous yards in those two, uh, those two games, but they're sticking to it, um, and grounding out the clock when they do have that lead, which was the case in both games. And, uh, you know, he you'll, you'll notice, and I've, you know, one of my close friends is a Titans fan and he's said this for a long time too. He gets so much better as the season goes on. Um, you know, especially like, you know, talk about colder weather, talk about teams getting worn out from injuries, um, getting worn out week to week, you know, getting battling through the Nixon, uh, the bruises, right. And then all of a sudden you have to uh, come up one week and Derek Henry's running at you full speed. Like that does wear on you. And he takes advantage of that. Uh, so they, the Titans have this formula that, You know, it it sort of goes against the analytics, right, where, you know, so much of it is pass the ball, pass the ball, uh, you know, yards per attempt and your efficiency passing is so much more important. Uh, But what the Titans are kind of going against the grain with here is, you know, we're going to run the ball just a crap ton. And then we're going to have our passing attack be just efficient enough, especially in the play action game, uh, that, you know, we're going to stay afloat and then we're going to trust our defense, you know, in those key playoff games, which, and it really worked last year. Of course, they ran into the buzzsaw that is Patrick Mahomes in the AFC Championship game, but they destroyed Baltimore, right? I mean, Baltimore was the most dominant team in the league last year. Titans went into their stadium and, you know, destroyed them with this formula with Derrick Henry. So the guy, you know, and from, from what we've seen with the Vikings run defense first two weeks, I have, I see no reason to believe the Vikings will stop him in any capacity, contain him in any capacity. Uh, you know, the Vikings, Front four is very, uh, you know, I, I don't want to call it weak. Cause that's a mean word, <laughs> but inexperienced there, though, um, it probably I mean, it's inexperienced. It is. Uh, it is. I, I'm trying to be a little politically correct to be nice about this. But like, here's the deal. Jonathan Taylor was is a rookie. Uh, no experienced NFL essentially as a lead back. Took 10 or 12 carries in the first drive of that game, and I don't think he was stopped for a loss or a no gain on any of them. So he had what he wanted. Derrick Henry is only going to be harder to tackle than that. So, I mean, if you have Derrick Henry on your fantasy team, start him. If you are playing DraftKings or daily fantasy, please put Derrick Henry in your starting lineup because the Vikings are going to surrender lots of yards, probably a couple touchdowns to that man.
0: Okay. So you just established kind of. What I was, you know, uh, what I was already thinking, and that's, you know, the Vikings going to have problem controlling Derrick Henry, and that's the case for most teams, but probably more so for your Vikings because, you know, Jaleel Johnson hasn't gotten it done; he just hasn't even flashed uh, even potential to date, in my personal opinion. Um, Fedio O'Donigbo has not been, you know, we hyped him up quite a bit, and you know, kind of felt like he had an opportunity to to show out a little bit, and Odenuvwu hasn't really been. He's been non-existent yeah. to a degree as well. And with exception to, you know, the the forced uh, fumble sack uh, that Ngakwe had last week. I mean, this front four, you know, none of them, with the exception of maybe Shamar Steffen, who is a clogger and kind of inherently known for being a solid run defender. None of these guys are very good run defenders. I mean, specifically Ngakwe, it's the biggest knock on his, you know, his resume to date is that he does not defend the run well. He's basically a glorified, like, pass rusher, like pass rushing specialist. So that's a dangerous combination when you've got Derrick Henry coming to town and it doesn't help that Anthony Barr is going to be out either because of course he has the torn pectoral muscle and will miss the rest of the season. So that brings Eric Wilson, I believe will step into his role. And then Ryan Connolly, I believe is, is slated to be the guy who gets the majority of the snaps. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, you know what, I take that back because of the team they're playing. I, in in most circumstances, with Anthony Barr out, I would expect the Vikings to run, what, a 4-2-5 defense. But because you're playing Derrick Henry, I think they have to stack the box. And I just don't know if the Vikings have the personnel to do that right now.
1: Yeah, that's the scary part about this. I mean, it, the, the, everything about this matchup is, you know, green, all green all systems go for Derrick Henry this week. Uh, you know, Vikings are decimated. They're their and two and they're uh, you know clearly the momentum is very much not on their side Tennessee's a two and0 they've been feeding Derrick Henry nonstop for two weeks um, and he's sort of really grinding at the bit to get that breakthrough uh, performance breakthrough long run whatever the case may be that he hasn't had yet uh, in some ways you kind of think he's due for that 14 big yards. performance
0: that's his long right. this year
1: that's the thing like he he has like and if you remember last year down the stretch, that last probably month, month and a half of the season, he just ran down teams with both, you know, wearing him down with those three, four, five yards every play, but then also he'd break through for the 60, 70-yard touchdown that he hasn't done yet this year. So, but they're not, you know, that's the thing about this team. They're not going to go away from that identity. He's averaging, not his, his, his down quite a bit as of now against Denver and then Jacksonville. They've slowed him down pretty well. Uh, so that they're not, Clearly, they're not going to they're not going to go away from that. If he's not maybe busting out the big gain, he's they're going to keep going to him. They're going to keep wearing you down, and that's how they're going to get first downs. So they're going to keep they're going to keep running him on first and second down, and they're going to get it to third and three. They're going to drop off a little slant or something to Johnny Smith for a first down. So, and and by the way, Johnny Smith got to talk about that guy because he's an athlete and he's tough to he's tough to cover, and he's an underrated tight end.
0: So the rushing attack is the the main focus. This is a true 50-50 team through two weeks, by the way. 68 rushing attempts, 67 passing attempts. Two of those, two extra pass attempts that ended up resulting in sacks. So Tannehill's dropped back 69 times, and nice, and handed off to Derrick Henry, um, called his own number, uh, Cameron Batson, who I'm not familiar with, Senorice Perry, who I'm also not familiar with, and Jeremy McNichols, who... Uh, Boise State player from several years back. That is your all three or excuse me, all five of those guys are going to have rush attempts. So this is a true 50-50 team, but they have counted on when, you know, when Henry isn't at his most efficient, which is as it has been for the last two weeks, as you stated, they have counted on Ryan Tannehill to be be efficient, (laughs) you know, for lack of a better term, I suppose. And he has been, you know, 70, 70 percent completion, 7.3 yards per attempt average. That's going to get it done in most cases. And so let's talk about those playmakers that he's working with and that has been able to kind of spread the ball around to. Uh, it starts with A.J. Brown and Corey Davis just because those were the big name wide receivers. But for the first two weeks of this season, the most dangerous playmaker is the guy that you just said. And that's John U. Smith.
1: Yeah, he reminds me this is going to sound a little uh insane at first maybe to some but he reminds me of vernon davis
0: okay no Um, i see that too that's what i was gonna say
1: yeah he reminds me of vernon davis he moves a lot like him he's quick he's agile um you know he's not like a large tight end right like you don't look at him and think that he's he doesn't remind you like tony gonzalez for example uh or like antonio gates they're not big huge bodies but he's got the quickness and uh, you know again i talked about my one of my close friends being a titans fan and you know, I watched some Titans games with him last year, and there was a couple times they put him in at running back, and they ran a sweep play to Johnny Smith, um, you know, what to spell Derrick Henry, and so that, you know, that does explain a little bit of his athleticism, uh, and he will line up anywhere, he'll run vertical routes, and if you're not paying attention to him, he'll sneak past a linebacker 100% of the time, so that's a, that's the guy to match up or look at this week, I would imagine Anthony Harris and or Harrison Smith will be um assigned to him quite a bit because you know he's been the most effective player at getting into the end zone for Tennessee the last couple weeks.
0: Uh so interesting some uh it's interesting note here. I just looked this up because I, I also agree with you that at least physically and athletically, uh John Smith does hold a lot of similarities with Vernon Davis. They are both listed at 6'3 248. They're literally the exact same size in the eyes of the NFL. So uh I think that comparison is definitely fair. The style of play is a little bit different. I think Vernon Davis ran like a f- sub four, four when he was younger, obviously um, John who Smith, not quite that fast, but I believe he still runs around a four, six. So uh, at very athletic tight end, dangerous player, especially with the Vikings, having Anthony Barr out, you know, I know a lot of you guys hate on Anthony Barr, but I'm going to keep bringing this up. Having him out really, really hurts. Cause it doesn't allow you to do a lot of the things you want to do instead of you know Anthony Barr potentially covering a tight end. Now that job, that responsibility falls on Eric Kendricks. So who's going to cover running backs out of the backfield now? Where are you going to? What are you going to do with Harrison Smith if Harrison Smith gets caught on a tight end? I mean you can't use him to the max. You know the, the maximum, his maximum potential. It's a dangerous situation for the Vikings, who we just established that they can't control the run. And I can't find a way for them to cover their best asset right now. I, I mean you look at the Vikings defense. It's got to be Eric Kendricks that gets lined up on Smith, right? He's their number – like I said, he's probably their number one playmaker through two weeks. And if you're trying to slow down Derrick Henry, uh, what options do you have? Because Eric Kendricks is also your best tackler, and he's he's the guy that shoots the gap. To me, like, you need to win one-on-one with Kendricks spying Tannehill and also taking care of Henry. One-on-one, Derrick Henry, with Eric Kendricks, who is under six feet tall – and Harrison Smith needs to line up over the tight end, Johnny Smith, with someone bracketed over the top. That takes away your three best playmakers right there, trying to stop two of their guys. Yeah, that's yeah. a problem. And then, I don't well, know then, what, I know, don't know what the answer is. I'm not a football coach. I don't pretend to be, but I you know look at these rosters. I don't see I don't see a way for the Vikings to there is no uh, obvious way to kind of stop. The Titans' offense based off of their current personnel.
1: Right. Well, I agree with you. And the next step is going to be um, with, you know, I, I, at some point, Zimmer's going to have to fire some. Bl- and here's the thing Vikings' third down defense, man, hasn't been great, you know, I, especially early in games against the game script. The Derrick Henry is. I, I just can. I just envision, you know, remember you saw Jonathan Taylor last week, 10 or 12 carries, first drive, and they went down and should have scored if Phillip Rivers doesn't throw the ball directly to Eric Wilson or whatever happened on that play, I think. Now Harrison Smith got in there and knocked it away, and Eric Wilson ended up with it. Um, and you're right about this offense. does, given the Vikings personnel, and lack thereof in some spots, with Barr out, Neil Hunter out, and then their corners, uh, uh, the Vikings, you can't really trust any of them at this point. There's a lot of pressure on Kendricks. There's a lot of pressure on those safeties as well to keep these guys in check. So, the Vikings, you have to win a little bit more on the at the cornerback position uh, to, you know, keep them like on those third down situations. But it's gonna it's gonna start with first, second down. If you can contain Derrick Henry to the point where third down is a medium to long distance rather than third and two, third and three, because I think that seems to be where the Vikings are getting beat the most and why they can't get off the field defensively.
0: OK, so then the final piece, then, is the receiving options for Tennessee outside of Janu Smith. We've already mentioned A.J. Brown, who may or may not be active for this game. Corey Davis, who has been the primary wide receiver uh, through a couple of weeks. And again, solid player. I don't think he's lived up to expectations, and I don't really see him ever living up to expectations. I, You know, he could prove me wrong probably this weekend would be, you know, ample opportunity to do so. But I don't think that he is a breakthrough wide receiver by any means. I don't think he's going to shut down the game with his receiving skills. But the Vikings cornerback situation isn't going to help him out, isn't going to help the team that much right now. Now, if you've been paying attention to the injury report, yeah, Cameron Dansler didn't practice today. And Mike Hughes, I believe, was either limited or didn't practice either. So the, in my opinion, the Vikings' two best cornerbacks right now I would say that Danzler is superior to Holton Hill, at least from what I have seen may or may not play this weekend. So you already have problems at the position and it sounds like more problems are coming. So, you know, if there is an opportunity for the wide receivers in this group, you know, without AJ Brown to find a way to get something done, it's probably against the Viking secondary. And I hate to say that, but like Adam, it's, it's going to be Adam Humphries and Corey Davis for the most part, right? Uh, who's, Who's covering who? Honestly, if Mike Hughes and Dantzler are out, you've probably got Holton Hill on Corey Davis. Holton Hill has been a disaster thus far. And I don't know who covers the slot, especially because Adam Humphreys is a bigger slot receiver, and you need to do something about Jonu Smith. So if Jonu Smith is being covered by Harrison Smith, theoretically, who who's on Adam Humphreys? I just don't know. Like I, I don't know the answer to these questions, and that's a real problem for me when trying to you know figure out what the Vikings are going to do this weekend. I I straight up, I simply, I think this is a personnel issue at this point because you've got injuries, you've got lack of production, you've got inexperience, you've got all of these things working against you, not to mention the fact that this team is completely demoralized through two weeks. If you think that getting beat bad two weeks in a row to open up a season doesn't hurt team morale and your ability to perform, well, you're wrong. (laughs) It it has for years and it will continue to do so unless the Vikings find a way to turn it around. And, you know, based off of these matchups, it's just not looking that good. Especially no. from you know the Vikings' defensive perspective, I just uh, give look, me a, I- g- give me a reason. Give me a reason, Drew. What what is it? What is it about this Titans' offense that the Vikings can get something done against? Because you look at their offensive line too. Taylor Lewan and Roger Saffold are great, great, great players on the left side. You've got three players on the right side, while counting the center Ben Jones, Nate Davis, and Dennis Kelly, who are meh players, but they're not bad. I, where's the hole?
1: I don't see it. So. If there's a, I mean, this isn't a hole, but I think the fact that Henry is not a receiver is kind of nice. And he's not, he's not a three down back per se in that way. And so if you're able to contain him for a second down um, and that's for this Vikings defense right now, very tall task, but uh, that's a pun intended by the way, because Derek Henry is what, (laughs) six, four. But you know, if you can get to that point, you know, I don't, I'd like the Vikings chance I like Mike Zimmer's chances, right, against Ryan Tannehill on a third down where he, you know, with Henry not on the field, for example, um, and then AJ Brown not on the field if he's not you know, active. Uh so you know, I I, I here's the thing. I'm picking Tennessee with everybody healthy in this game. If Hunter's healthy, if Barr's healthy, if the Vikings entire roster is healthy, I'm still picking the Titans. Uh, and that's just because I'm very high on the Titans already, and especially now with the way the season has has out, uh, played out for the Vikings so far, with the injuries, with the c- complete lack of everything uh, for Minnesota. It's it's tough to pick. It's tough to pick them right now, and that's seen before going to the other side of the of the ball here for both teams.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's 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 do just that. I think we've established that the Vikings have their work cut out for them uh, defensively this weekend. So offensively. Uh, coming off of, so as we stated on the previous show, probably Kirk Cousins' worst performance in his entire career, not just as a Viking, but period. Uh, he gets matched up with a defense that has some solid playmakers, also has some holes, also has a couple of key injuries as well. So, Starting with this defensive line, uh, they're going to run a 3-4. Mike Frabel uh, calls the shots here. They didn't even hire a defensive coordinator, which I think is hilarious, by the way. Uh, Mike Frabel is just straight up the guy that is going to do everything for this defense. And, uh, of course, that defense kind of mimics what he ran uh, when he was with New England Patriot back in the day. So that 3-4 unit starts up front with Jack Crawford, Daquan Jones, and Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, of those three players, I think Simmons is probably the most dominant, probably the most dangerous of the of that group. Uh, but nothing really scares you about the front three. It's more the linebackers with and Clowney, the big offseason signing. Or I guess, does it even count as the offseason when he signed like two weeks ago? Um,
1: yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, other than Clowney within that front seven, right? Um, I don't, you know, there's not a, there's not a ton of guys that scare you. And even Clowney, I think, to a degree, and I say this, you know, uh, I say this, this is probably a questionable statement, but I don't think Clowney's as good as advertised. Um, He's not not as great of a, like he's not as great of a pass rusher as we all thought he was going to be. He's a very, very solid overall defensive player. Uh, Now he's putting his hand in the dirt. Well, he's standing up and putting his hand in the dirt, not just a defensive end anymore. Uh, But outside of him, you know, Harold Landry, Rashawn Evans, Jay and Brown, Vic Beasley, I guess, gets rotated in as well. Outside of uh, outside of Clowney, is there anyone in that front seven that scares you?
1: Jayon Brown. I like him a lot. Yeah. Uh, from when I've watched from the Titans, uh, he'll he's a really good uh, and efficient, efficient blitzer there. Um, but it is also very rangy. Uh, and I want to put him in the Eric Kendrick's level, of course. But um, he does have a, show a lot of those flashes of kind of, um, you know, how did he. Get to this part in the field so quick, you know? Uh, and so that's, I like Jan Brown from that perspective. And that will be, uh, I'll be watching him on some of those, you know, outside zone runs that the Vikings like to do and very popular in the Gary Kubiak offense with Dalvin Cook um, or Alexander Madison or whomever is carrying the ball. So that's one I'll watch. But of course, I think overall, I mean, I'm going to give the edge at this point to the Tennessee front seven if we're going to compare that to the Vikings. their offense right now just because i why would i say otherwise given the first two weeks of the season i yeah i mean i can't blame you um and it's
0: also worth noting that the strength of this defense is not in you know not the defensive line not the linebacker group uh it's 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 probably the secondary here um a lot of talent in this group and that's already missing adderay jackson by the way um so you've got Mal- you got Malcolm Butler, of course, a Super Bowl hero with New England has bounced around since base- basically since making that play and getting paid has not necessarily been uh, as much of a stud as I think Tennessee may have hoped, but still a very, very solid cornerback. Um, and opposite him is Jonathan Joseph, who is ageless, by the way. I looked it up before um, he played for Mike Zimmer when Mike Zimmer was coaching in Cincinnati. So you could put that into perspective. He also spent about half a decade with Houston after being coached by Mike Zimmer, He's almost 37 years old and playing man coverage against against receivers in the NFL. Extremely impressive player. He's getting by with not necessarily his talent anymore. I mean, this is a guy that used to run a four three, I believe. I highly doubt it's anywhere close to that anymore. Uh, But a very savvy veteran knows where to be, knows all the coverages, knows where everyone else around him is supposed to be. Uh, So he puts the Titans in a great position for Kevin Byard arguably one of the most it's kind of replaced harrison smith is the most underrated safety in the nfl i think uh, absolute stud a ball hawk that is a turnover machine and playing next to kenny vaccaro who is basically a glorified linebacker uh the secondary could do a lot of damage and that's not even including the fact that christian fulton has barely played yet
1: yeah i think there is def- like you said there's there's talent there um and you know i, I worry about some of these I worry about this, man. I mean, I'm just – here's the thing, man. Every week this uh, passing game looks like this, Uh, you know, I'm going to be worried about the secondary that they play, right? And I think – I'm trying to look ahead a little bit here, and I just don't see a game where I'm like, oh, this Vikings offense can definitely take advantage of that defense, you know. So, uh, but yeah, in the secondary here, I like Bayard a lot. That guy's a playmaker, and I think you are absolutely spot on when you say – you know, there's that that safety that hasn't been appreciated, maybe because he's in a smaller market or a team that's not, uh, you know, spotlighted by the media as much in Tennessee. I think Bayard's that guy now that Harrison Smith used to sort of have that role. Um, I do like Fulton long term at corner for Tennessee, but uh, he's not getting a ton of run at this point. But you know, and then if Jonathan Joseph, I'd, yeah, you're right, ageless. So uh, it's going to be up to Jefferson and B.C. Johnson. I think Thielen can beat any of these guys pretty easily, but you know, as we've seen, especially against the Colts, that the Adam Thielen winning against one guy doesn't really matter sometimes because there's bracketed coverage, um, or for whatever reason, he's not the first read. Kirk will not go off the script of the first read. Uh, <laughs> if it's, you know, if the fir- if the first read is uh, B.C. Johnson you know, on a post route down the middle of the field, that's where he's going to look first, even if Thielen's wide open on the other side of the field. So, uh, you know, that's it's going to be up to B.C., just, uh, Justin Jefferson, uh, Irv Smith, maybe and those guys to win.
0: So what um, offensively speaking for the Vikings, what do they got to do? Like what where's the where's the whole defensively for this Titan team? I mean, of course, you know, we just mentioned that, you know, the front the front three is not massively successful, at least to date. Uh, but there are playmakers at the other two levels and very well compensated playmakers at that. Um, what do the Vikings have to do to get, to get something done here? Because like I said, Clowney may not be the best pass rusher in the world, but he's one of the, he's definitely one of the best, uh, at stopping the run relative to his position. Um, and he can line up from all over the place. And of course the Vikings biggest asset right now is Dalvin cook. Um, he's got to get by Clowney. He's got to get by Brown. Like you mentioned before, a rangy linebacker. And of course, Vicaro is going to play up in the box and you know, they can stack the box right now because like you said, Kirk cousins, just. He's throwing to Adam Thielen yeah. or he's thrown to nowhere. So where, what do the vik, what can the Vikings do to give themselves an edge for, on the offensive side of the football this week?
1: I think offensive side of the ball, is about uh, finding a way to be effective after the first series of scripted plays. I think, you know, they win that first drive has been pretty solid first two games, right? I think they go down and get three points both times. And that really, I think both were short field goals too, where they yeah. could have, yeah. you know, they were within striking distance of six points and, uh, then after that, there, it's just it's clunky, it's inefficient, it's uh, there's no rhythm at all to the calls, and and it seems like everybody's out of sync uh, immediately when that second drive begins, and uh, you know I think that's where you can quickly lose steam in a football game, right? Because then you get a three and out there, and when your defense isn't stopping anything, as Minnesota's has not, that gives the opposition you know another drive quickly to get down and score with pretty good field position, so. Uh, keeping your offense on schedule after the first drive is is going to be key. And then, you know, I think the Vikings, you know, I think the weakness of this, I mean, if there's a weakness to attack, I think it's a secondary compared to that front seven personally. And so I, I would be looking at Justin Jefferson and BC Johnson because chances are Thielen is going to get bracketed and he won't have a ton of one-on-one Uh, opportunities and we've seen in his career too over the, you know, over the span of his career when Diggs is not healthy enough to play Thielen is not super productive uh, when he's sort of that only top weapon, so to speak. And so Jefferson and Johnson, and then that chemistry with Kirk has got to be better uh, because that'll be the best chance the Vikings have to win each week in my opinion.
0: So the Vikings definitely got to control tempo, right? Especially offensively. We've established that that's kind of what the Titans, what that's what their game is, right? Holding onto the football for long drives um, eating up clock, tiring out the defense. Well, the Vikings game plan this week is to do that, is to do what the Titans do well. Hold on to the damn football. I mean, at this point, they got to go for it. They got to go for it on fourth down sometimes. On fourth and, you know, fourth and short, you got to find a way to keep the offense to the field. And, and that's going to involve taking some risks. So to me, uh, the, the only shot That the vikings had of it winning this game is controlling tempo and succeeding when you're taking shots that's not that doesn't mean just you know going for it on fourth that means we got to work the ball down the field too i mean and complete some passes right i mean how how many deep balls has kirk accurately thrown so far this season not a ton right i mean there's a couple in garbage time i suppose but you with the vikings need to find a way to to get this offense running efficiently and i think you're absolutely right that it, it, it's it's about making those in-game adjustments, and I know that's very cliche, but it, it's so true for this Vikings team. They, they have not adjusted well, whether it's Mike Zimmer calling defensive plays or Gary Kubiak calling offensive plays. It simply has not been um, a well-oiled machine, to say the least. So uh, that brings us to our, our picks here, and I think that we've already both established that we're going Titans here. Uh, how bad is this one going to be?
1: Oh, that's where it's got to now, huh? It's about how bad it's going to be. Uh, give me Titans by ten points because of garbage time. I think the I think the Vikings figure out a garbage time score to bring it within ten, but it, it'll be worse than that.
0: Yeah, um, I'm going to say Titans by three scores. I'll say they win by seventeen. Um, my my pick would be thirty-four to seventeen. Thirty-four to seventeen is my final. That's my guess. Right. Um, I don't okay. see the how, how many how many Derrick
1: Henry before. touchdowns over or under two and a half
0: under I'm going to go under two and a half, uh, because that's suggesting that he might have three, but, um, I think two, I think two is the number. I expect two Derek Henry touchdowns for sure.
1: All right. Good. <laughs> I just traded for him in another league. So better. Uh,
0: I think all of with, Twitter with saw this that game in
1: mind with this game in mind. And yeah, <laughs> Twitter did see that.
0: <laughs> all right. Um, let's move, uh, let's move quickly into our game picks here and wrap up the show with that. Uh both of us are uh, rolling with Tennessee this week. I don't foresee any reason for either of us to be picking the Vikings anytime soon. Um, so that's kind of a no-brainer. But uh, there's some great matchups this week. This is, you know, it sucks as a Vikings fan to walk into a, a week 0-2 and, and not see a whole lot of Super Bowl potential anymore. But if you're a lover of pure football, this is the week for you. Um, and it kind of, honestly, I know this Thursday night matchup isn't, fantastic based on pedigree but miami at sexy. jacksonville
1: it's not sexy but
0: miami at jacksonville is fun it's a it's fun, fun matchup for sure
1: very fun and uh, i'll be picking Jacksonville. i i watched the jacksonville tennessee game pretty closely and i do they for for a team that's had essentially every star player uh want out immediately they <laughs> seem to have they seem to have like a chip on their shoulder, I guess, or they gel well together for guys that it seems like they're all like, uh, they have this aura, like we're all rejects and nobody wants to play with us. So we're going to go show people what we're made of type of thing. And I think Gardner Minshew kind of leaves the charge there. So, uh, plus, uh, fellow Johnny Ben Barch is on the roster there. He is one and one in his NFL career. So got to go with the Jags. All right.
0: So I'm going to go with Jacksonville. Um, I like, I like your reasoning. I'm going to go the opposite side here. Miami's just not good enough right now. Uh, Fitzpatrick's still the quarterback. Devontae Parker's playing hurt. They don't have a whole lot of talent other than that right now. So I'm going to say that Jacksonville, who also doesn't have a whole lot of talent either, but is playing with grit, to say the least. Um, I think they are uh, they are a fun team to watch right now. That,
1: they beat that, Indianapolis they uh, week one. They, they did, and that's something the Vikings did not do. So <laughs>
0: All right, so we're both rolling with Jacksonville. Next one here, Chicago at Atlanta. Um, kind of a fun matchup given the circumstances. I mean, Atlanta's very close to being 2-0. and all. They played a lot better uh, last week against the Cowboys, and I think we thought they would, but then they ultimately did the Atlanta thing and blew it at the end, of course.
1: That, by the way, I don't know if people have seen the onside kick. That yeah. is <laughs> the worst thing I have ever seen in football. I saw somebody tweet that the Falcons should be investigated for throwing the game, and that's <laughs> literally what it looked like. <laughs> like they're the Falcons players are standing s- around like just, they're huddling around the ball and doing anything but trying to win the game and but you, I mean you, you pick you recover that ball you win the game oh that's unbelievable uh picking the Falcons despite all of that uh, just because <laughs> I don't like the Bears Trubisky's bad um, and beating the Giants at home by the smallest of margins does not make you good yeah I'm
0: gonna pick Atlanta too um First of all, Calvin Ridley off to a tremendous start, by the way. My God, that guy's a machine right now. Um, Julio Jones on the flip side of that, not as hot of a start.
1: See the you dropped last week?
0: I did. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking about when I said that. Um, but Matt Ryan still looks like a good quarterback. Uh, Chicago doesn't have one of those. So uh, I'm going to take Atlanta here, and I'm going to be petty too. We need this right now. Chicago, like, if you could do,
1: okay, this. It's time to give up on the division. matter. doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> I'm saying we need this personally. I need, like... I, I read, a, the other I read
1: to a also be bad.
0: Yes. I read I read a meme the other day that Vikings fans care more about when the Packers and Bears lose than when the Vikings win. And right now, that's how I feel, because my Super Bowl dreams are crushed. I, yeah. I, I need some I need Detroit and Green Bay to lose. And I think that uh, I don't see Green Bay losing this week. Uh, well, eh, they could. It's against the Saints, I suppose. But um I do think Atlanta has the edge here, so I'm going to take Atlanta. Uh, that brings us to another interesting matchup here. The Rams and the Bills, both teams playing very, very well to open the season. Uh, Josh Allen had that horrendous uh, miss in the end zone in week one. He came back with one of the most productive performances of his career. Um, I know you Vikings fans love this, but he is clicking on all cylinders with Stefan Diggs right now. Uh, can they get it done against the Los Angeles Rams?
1: I'm going to pick the Rams. Uh, I, I'm for the nope. longest. I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep sort of, I guess, doubting Josh Allen right until, you know, he goes in and dominates playoff game, because this team, this team's loaded, man. This roster's loaded in Buffalo, yeah. uh, and I think the one thing missing is, do they have that quarterback that can take them? Uh, you know, and I, I, I'm still a doubter of Allen. He's not very accurate, but uh, he does enough with his leg to keep this team winning, and so that's the thing that I'm held up on. I think the Rams are very talented right now. Uh, I don't love golf either, but I'll pick the Rams. Uh, just because I think this is a tougher test than Allen's had the first two weeks.
0: Yeah, I th- I'm picking the Rams as well, and it comes down to defense. I mean, when you've got Aaron Donald in your face and Jalen Ramsey over the top, good luck, Josh Allen. I'm picking the Rams as well. Uh, the next one here is Cleveland and Washington. On paper, that sounds like a you know a real barn burner, I know, but uh, it could be interesting. I mean, Washington has played above expectations with Ron Rivera as their coach. Uh, Cleveland didn't look terrible last week, right? They, they got a W um, coming off yeah. of the— you know, that's the first week that they've been able to say that in a while. So uh, I know that Mayfield has some things to iron out. I know that, you know, Odell Beckham is not quite playing up to the level that many of us have expected. Uh, but I do think that they have the pieces here, uh, especially against a Washington team that is depleted of basically all assets. You know, they're they're in rebuild mode right now. And I don't personally think that Dwayne Haskins is going to be the guy, at least based off what I've seen through a year and a half or so. Uh, can Washington go into Cleveland? Uh, this is a hilarious question. Can Washington go into Cleveland and get a win here?
1: No, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm picking the Browns. There's more talent there. Kim is a Tufanski. I'm not quite given up on him yet. Yeah,
0: I'm going to go with Cleveland as well. I think they have more talent.
1: Easily stated, right?
0: Uh, next one here, Oakland coming off of the biggest win of uh, John Gruden's second tenure with the organization over the New Orleans Saints. Derek Carr looked pretty good, right? He looked like the...
1: Darren Waller looked really good.
0: Darren Waller did look really good too, but Derek Carr looked like the 2016, 16, 15 or 16, right? He looked like the MVP candidate from October year that was. of 2016. Yeah, whatever. whatever. You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, he looked very good, and they go. They're going up against New England. Cam Newton also looks very good. Um, I, I would love to say that that goal line play is unstoppable, but of course, Seattle stopped it on the at the last moment. But prior to that, I mean. How many times does Cam Newton get stopped at the goal line? If they do that play 10 times, um, I think, Oakland has, cook- yeah, exactly. I think o- Oakland has their work. Yeah, exactly. I think Oakland has their work cooked, cut out for them. Uh, can John Gruden get another staple win here against Bill Belichick?
1: I'm going to say no. I don't know if you saw Bill Belichick today when he <laughs> was addressing the media and his like, <laughs> looked like he yeah. just rolled out of bed, but actually what probably was the case is he was up the entire night grinding film yes. after losing yes. to Seattle. Uh, this guy's going to be prepared for Oakland. He's not losing twice in a row. Uh, so I got the Patriots winning.
0: Yeah, I got the Patriots winning too. And it's for the reason that you just said, Bill Belichick doesn't lose two times in a row. Uh, the next one here, San Francisco at the New York Giants. On paper, it sounds like an absolute mismatch, but San Francisco is now missing Nick Bosa, Raheem Mostert. Jimmy Garoppolo has a chance to not play. George Kittle, I read it would be ambitious for him to play this week. Uh, they don't have a lot of their stars. I know that Kyle Shanahan is one of the best schemers in the league. And of course you can't lose him to injury, but uh, do they have enough assets right now to get it done against New York? Who granted it is worth noting. They also lost their greatest offensive playmaker in Saquon Barkley to an ACL this week.
1: For the sake of picking an upset, I'm going to pick the giants just because it's a little different. And uh, I I think this is one where the Niners are going to be very tentative on that turf, man, after last week uh, at MetLife. And, to go no, right you, back yeah, to you got to go right back there. <laughs> uh, so, oh yeah, shout out to the NFL for scheduling back. that, right? Uh, and I'm pr- I would imagine that they—I don't know the actually the case, what the case is—but I'm imagining that they stayed in New York. because That would be kind of kind of terrible scheduling for them to go fly back to San Francisco and then go back to New York oh, twice okay. in a row. Uh, anyway, I'm picking the Giants just because I want to pick an upset, and it'd be funny if they lost.
0: Uh, I'm going to take San Francisco because the Giants are bad. Um, it's true. I, I,
1: I won't, I won't defend that. That that that's correct.
0: It's going to be Devonte Freeman for the giants. Now in the backfield, uh, he, he probably um, won't
1: play on Sunday though. Uh, I would imagine with up. the COVID testing and stuff, it uh, takes forever. Point. That's probably won't point. probably have to be next week. So he will be, what what is it? Dion Lewis and Wayne Gallman, Wayne Gallman,
0: who I do like by the way. So yeah. I guess we'll see. I'm taking San Francisco. So we're split on that one. Uh, Cincinnati at Philadelphia, uh, Philly, Kind of looks like a disaster. Cincinnati doesn't. Philly seem called like me this week to be guys. a
1: receiver. I uh, I'm gonna go through a physical and COVID <laughs> protocol, and I might be a, an Eagle next week, and this show might be on on uh, postponement. So we'll kinda see. Kind of looks
0: like uh, that that slot receiver that uh, Tom Brady's throwing to now. What is it, Shelby Miller or something like that?
1: Something Miller, yeah.
0: About the same frame as, <laughs> as him. <laughs> hey,
1: hey I, I hey, put me in some pads. I you never know. Uh, I'm I'm gonna pick Cincinnati. I like the swagger. Joe Burrow has and I feel like I don't know something with Philly just doesn't feel right right now chemistry is way off with Carson Wentz um there's I don't know there's something not going right there and I think they're I think they're sort of in a similar my similar mode mindset as the Vikings right now where they're kind of wondering uh are they they're are they going the wrong way is this the end maybe of the Wentz and Peterson uh run here who knows
0: so I'm going to take Cincinnati as well. I think this is as good as time as any for Joe Burrow to get his first career win. Um, you're playing against a depleted Philadelphia team, who has also, like the Vikings, been completely demoralized for two weeks. So um, I will uh, I will be picking Cincinnati in this one as well. Uh, another good one here. Um, I believe this is an afternoon game. Uh, Houston and Pil- Houston at Pittsburgh. So Deshaun Watson crossing swords with Ben Roethlisberger. Pittsburgh has looked really really good. Uh, Houston has looked really, really bad. Now, that all being said, Houston, in theory, is still a very good football team. Pittsburgh, on the other hand, might be a lot better than I think we thought they were.
1: Houston's bad. Shout Houston's out to Bill O'Brien. Shout out to Bill O'Brien. Houston's bad. I got Pittsburgh. So we're both on Pit here?
0: Yep. Okay. Uh, I'm on board with Pittsburgh being potentially an AFC championship game representative this year based off the way that they've been playing through yeah. two weeks. Uh, not a big sample size, but my God, that defense is dangerous. It was just...
1: super super, uh, you know, under the radar too. that Big Ben is just back and like, I feel like nobody really talked about that when sort of previewing the 2020 season. Like, mean, hey, Big Ben guys yeah. won two Super Bowls still a, clearly can fling the ball around and and do it. Sp- right.
0: and... Juju exists again
1: because right. well, yeah, they are I mean, Duck Hodges was the Steelers quarterback last year. <laughs> For a number of games, that's a little different than Big Ben, and they were still what 500 last year. I mean,
0: come on, close to. So, all right. Uh, the next one up here is really one of the few poor matchups this weekend, in my opinion. That's the Jets, the Colts. Uh, we just yeah. saw what the Colts can do. I think we're all aware of what the Jets can't do. Um, we're getting close to Adam Gase getting fired territory, I think.
1: Did you uh, have you seen that that Sam Darnold throw? That's all over Twitter. Uh, yeah, where yeah the he kind of rolls out and yeah, plays yeah. It with his rest. That that is the biggest win for the Jets franchise in the last three years, right there. Is that highlight now going out on Twitter? When they were down 31 to six, and Darnold threw a touchdown to get down by 18 in the fourth quarter. Give me the Colts. Uh, the Jets are just they're just too bad.
0: Quintus said it better myself. I'm going with Indianapolis as well. Uh, chugging along here. Carolina takes on the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, both of these teams are having some very interesting issues right now. Of course, the Chargers with Tyrod Taylor right now. Uh, this is going to be a major lawsuit. If you're not familiar, uh, the Charger yeah. team doctor uh, just punctured. Well, I, I saw it Long. today on Twitter.
1: I don't know if this is true. This is just, you know, you can't believe everything say on Twitter. But if a player accepts medical treatment from the team doctors, they cannot sue or something like that. Now, this uh, do, do not fact check me on this because that could be wrong. I simply just read something on Twitter. But if that's the case, that sucks, man. That sucks for for their way. I
0: I think this is a multi-million way, settlement. yeah. This is a multi-million dollar settlement, I think. And then on the flip side, of course, Carolina uh, just put Christian McCaffrey on IR. So it's Teddy Bridgewater show, and Mike Davis is going to be stepping in to replace him. Uh, Mike. John- <laughs> and then, of course, you've got Justin Herbert, who will be getting his first uh, planned start this weekend. Yeah. Uh, looked pretty good in his debut, for what it's worth. Who you got in this one? Yeah,
1: week? I got the Chargers. Uh, Herbert looked pretty solid. And, uh, you know, that defense is... Legit. No joke. I think Teddy's got a lot of work cut out for him because uh, they made they made Mahomes and company look. Uh, I don't want to say bad, but they definitely stumbled over their feet a little bit against the Chargers defense. So I'll pick LA.
0: I'm going to take the Chargers as well. I think that point that you made about Mahomes. I mean, the Chiefs' offense was basically you know non-existent until about what eighteen. I mean, it was it was just an offense.
1: It was just fine. Like, and that's right. definitely not you know the Andy Reid Chiefs offense we've seen the last couple of years.
0: Absolutely. All right, so charges for both of us. Next one here, Tom Brady's going up against I don't even know who's starting for Denver at quarterback this week.
1: I don't know. Is it Jeff Driscoll or Blake Bortles? I think it's gonna be
0: Jeff I think it's going to be Jeff Driscoll again uh, who replaced Drew Locke when he went out uh with an injury last week. He's now expected to miss what I think it was 2 to 5 weeks, which is an interesting timetable, but nevertheless, Tom Brady gets a chance to go to move back over 500 here at Denver does he get it done?
1: Um I'm going to I'm going to pick Denver. Uh, this is. I'm holding out hope on Denver. And part of that is because I have a bet with a person that the Denver Broncos will make the playoffs. Uh, but uh, I think Denver played pretty well against Pittsburgh. Uh, even when Locke went down, they kind of battled quite a bit and had a chance at the end there uh, against a really good Pittsburgh team. And so now uh, against Tampa Bay, who I feel has not quite lived up to the expectations that maybe some had um, so far, I think I think Denver can win.
0: So I'm going to take Tampa Bay uh, strictly because I don't believe in Jeff Driscoll at all.
1: I think that Uh, that's fair. And that's fair. I don't think I do either, but I still. (laughs) All
0: right. So Tampa Bay for me, Denver for Drew. Moving on here. These last four games of the week are exceptional, in my personal opinion. Um, We'll start here with Detroit and Arizona. Um, I know Detroit's not the most exciting team in the world, but Matthew Stafford against Kyler Murray sounds like a hell of a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. uh, Arizona, by the way, that offense looks awesome right now. So much fun. Kyler Murray to the Andre Hopkins looks like it could be, you know, a an, a, an awesome combination to watch for a while. I'm going to pick the Cardinals. Uh, I still think Detroit just, uh, nah, nah. I mean, they, uh, they're they still the Detroit Lions.
0: So what is that rule on how every single year a team that sucked ass ends up making the playoffs the following year? It's like every single year you see a team that was goes from worst to first. It's like... Like seventy five. Probably something
1: of, like that. And that could you're saying it could like be that. the Cardinals?
0: I'm saying it could be the Cardinals. Yeah. I, I they're they're my pick to be that team this year. The problem is that, division,
1: that NFC West division looks yeah, yeah. Least, like one of the best maybe ever. Uh yeah. if San Francisco can get healthy. That's right. gonna be a dogfight for that division.
0: That's uh that's an excellent point, but uh you know, to ramp up to what I was getting to there, that Arizona, I, Detroit beats themselves. And I think that, yep. you know, I, I think that Cliff Kingsbury has kind of found a rhythm there. I think Kyler, Kyler Murray's a lot better than I personally thought he was going to be. I mean, did you see that play that got called back last week where he kind of high-stepped the linebacker and walked into the left corner of the end zone? My God, that yeah. guy is talented. I'm going to Arizona as well. Um, all right, Dallas at Seattle. Another fun one here. Russell Wilson against Dak Prescott. Uh, Prescott looked pretty good last week. Uh, they get that... <laughs> Like we were talking about before, that very strange win over Atlanta. Seattle on the flip side went toe to toe. Like literally, well, it should, honestly, it was more head to head the way that, uh, what was it, Quandry Diggs was was playing last week. But uh, who gets the win here, Russell Wilson or Dak Prescott playing in Seattle?
1: I will pick Russ. Uh, I I do think this will be a fun game, though. Uh, I really like both teams here. I'm still having, I still believe in Dallas to a degree, even though for essentially. 3.9 3.9 quarters last week. They were the worst team against Atlanta, but uh, I'll pick Seattle until really Russ proves me that he can have a bad game.
0: Uh, follow-up question to that: Before I give you my pick, is this Russell Wilson's year to win MVP? Finally,
1: I mean, he needs one, right? He deserves one. Uh, at this rate, if he, I still don't think Seattle's roster is that great. So if he can, if he can end up, you know, get Seattle to like a two seed, one seed, yeah, I think so.
0: I, I do as well. So I'm going to pick Seattle too. Um they're a well oiled machine for some reason. I mean, like you said, I mean, it's Russell Wilson and who else? DK Metcalf? I mean, that's basically Metcalf it.
1: And, I mean, Metcalf and Lockett are pretty solid duo receiver, but uh um, very definitely very the, the pass protection has not been great for a while in Seattle, and then that defense has lost its luster quite a bit. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Excellent. All right, so I'm going Seattle too. Um, that brings us to the Sunday night football matchup. Your the Green Bay Packers are playing against the Saints. Uh, Packers look really, really good through two weeks. The Saints, a little bit wishy-washy. Not their best performance last week, for sure, in a loss to the Oakland or the Las Vegas Raiders. Excuse me. Um, Fun matchup, though, between two future Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Uh, A lot of talent on both these rosters. Aaron Jones and Alvin Kamara is a fun kind of not on the same field at the same time matchup as well to see who can come up with the most all-purpose yards. Um, Who do you have in this game?
1: This game's at Lambeau, Correct.
0: No, this or is in New is Orleans.
1: It, this is in New Orleans. Okay. Uh, for because of that, I think I'll take the Saints. Um, you know, I was I was gonna say Drew Brees on the road is the most washed quarterback in the league, but I think at home, even without fans, I still think he's just extra sense of comfortability in that uh, in that stadium, and uh, I think the Saints come out on top. Just barely. I think that'll be a fun one, though.
0: So this one to me is a flip of the coin. Uh, since you picked New Orleans, I'm going to take Green Bay. Uh, I think both these teams are, you know, high-powered offenses. I said last week, and I stand by this, that, that New Orleans is my Super Bowl pick until they get eliminated in the first round by some ridiculous ridiculous play. Uh, but this week, I, I I, mean, Aaron Rodgers is playing as good as anyone. I, I yeah, know we're talking about Russell Wilson and, uh, you know, even Cam Newton. to Rodgers is him.
1: just as much, you know, of an elite play, player through two weeks as Russ or as – Really, anybody right now? Josh Allen's in that category too, believe it or not.
0: <laughs> and speaking of elite football play, that brings us to the final matchup here. Uh, this might be the best fan. This might be the best football matchup on paper that I have seen in what two, three, four years probably. I can't think of a matchup that really struck me like this one did in a while in the regular season. It would have been at-
1: that. Uh, remember that Rams Chiefs twenty eighteen? I believe right. The that one that was forty eight to 51,
0: 51 yeah, to forty eight.
1: Yeah, like that. Yeah. All right,
0: so Kansas City at Baltimore is the matchup that we are referring to. Patrick Mahomes against Lamar Jackson, uh, two extremely talented quarterbacks. Obviously, a lot of talented playmakers on the outside. You know, a lot of speed. I mean, this could be a really, really fun matchup. So, how does this one? How do you first of all? How do you make a pick on this one? There, two great teams. I don't know what the differentiator is without fans in the stadium in Baltimore. Uh, but who are you going with?
1: I'm going with Kansas City and. I think for whatever reason, that that AFC playoff game, Ravens, the way they just got destroyed by Tennessee is still stuck in my mind a little bit. And I just don't see the way I think the the poor performance by the Chiefs last week is still netted a win. And so I think that's about as bad as it gets for them. So I'm going to pick the Chiefs until further notice, really. I mean, I don't I, I, I pick them against anybody anywhere right now.
0: Yep. Yep. I'm going to the Chiefs as well. And it come, the differentiator for me personally, Patrick Mahomes is the better quarterback. They're both very, very good quarterbacks. They're also very different quarterbacks, and I think that Patrick Mahomes' talent translates more to consistency than Lamar Jackson's does. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that Lamar Jackson isn't consistent. He's the MVP for last reason, or excuse me, for a reason. Uh, but that being said, Patrick Mahomes is the Super Bowl MVP yep. for a reason. Um, I'm going with Kansas City as well. And, and that uh, wrapped-
1: fun fact, by the way, the Chiefs have won their last six games when they trail by double digits. <laughs>
0: interesting that'd be uh that's that's a nice stat. Like, i
1: mean it's it's fun because the, the ravens might get up you know 10 nothing 17 nothing and it's like a that's you know whatever that means the chiefs are probably gonna end up winning anyway
0: <laughs> all right so that uh that wraps up our pick for the week uh to give you an update on where we stand now both drew and i went 11 and five last week uh, between the two of us we nearly picked every game correct uh But ultimately, I have a one game edge through two weeks at 21 and 11 with Drew standing at 20 and 12 heading into week three of the NFL season. So with all that being said, that wraps up our show for the week. Uh, Thank you for uh, going through this kind of dismal week with us. I know it was not the most fun week of content, but uh, thank you for paying attention and sticking with us here. Uh, make sure to check out the rest of the in the Pocket Network for more Vikings and NFL content. Uh, we are on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and everywhere else that podcasts are, can be found. And, of course, you can find Drew and myself on YouTube if you prefer to watch the show instead of listening to it. So, um, as always, thank you for listening, and we will catch you next week.